This episode of Contracting Conversations is brought to you by BSCAI's Contractor Connections Content Hub. Browse recent articles providing insights on industry trends, profiles on influential speakers and industry leaders, tips to help your business succeed, and more. Visit bscaiorg contractor connections. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, a podcast series from the Building Service Contractors Association International. Through a series of interviews with entrepreneurs, business owners, and executives, this podcast aims to provide insights, trends, and tactics to support the growth and development of business owners serving the contract cleaning and facility maintenance industry. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, the official podcast of BSCAI. I'm your host, Lauren Leah Chorus. On the inaugural episode of Season 3, I speak with Ben Walker, Director of Business Development for Management, Inc. With Management, Ben annually performs progress and baseline audits for several large cleaning operations. He has experience auditing the cleaning program for hundreds of buildings nationwide. Ben also specializes in the OS1 cleaning process, safety, green, source reduction, public relations, training, and cleaning education. In our conversation, Ben addresses his passion for sustainability and the importance of implementing sustainable business practices into cleaning service operations. Support for Contracting Conversations comes from our premier partners, 3M, Diversi, Karcher, and Team Software. Learn more about our partners and their category-leading solutions for contractors at bscaiorg partners. My name is Ben Walker. I am a consultant in the professional cleaning industry. The focus of my consulting work is usually with the end user, meaning the in-house cleaning operation or the uh, contract cleaning operations. And within the segments of contract cleaning, I've done work with BSCs of all sizes, from startups to the big dogs, to nonprofit contract cleaning groups who get uh, government funding to provide work for people with disabilities. And so on top of that, I'm also an instructor at Janitor University, which is a private educational course for management and executive level professionals in the cleaning industry who want to learn best practices. And on top of that, I'm also a columnist for Facility Cleaning Decisions Magazine and for CleanLink.com. To kind of get the ball rolling here, I want to learn more about how you got your start in consulting. And since we're also going to be talking about sustainability, why are you personally passionate about sustainability? That's a good question. And we could probably spend the whole podcast on it. You know, so my, I got into this profession the same way everybody gets into the cleaning profession is completely and totally by accident. I went to school in the mid to late 90s. I studied to be a journalist. Uh, I was managing editor of the college paper. I did uh, occasional moonlighting for the town paper. I went to school in Durango, Colorado at Fort Lewis. And I had aspirations and dreams of being someday a wartime correspondent. When I graduated in 1998, I learned that not only were there no major wars that I was going to be covering, but there were also very few news outlets that were hiring young journalists out of uh, small liberal arts colleges in Colorado. So I started working freelance. 
and I started working uh, just, I worked in a product development role, writing technical documentation for a large dental manufacturer, which is as exciting as it sounds. And along that path, my father was working as a consultant in the cleaning industry. So I'm, I'm actually third generation in the industry. My grandfather started and ran a successful regional distribution company of uh, chemicals and supplies. My father worked for my grandfather as uh, the VP of sales. And my father was actually the first director of education and training for ISSA. And he was that for four years. And he decided after four years, uh, he'd had enough making his shelf about four feet long on training materials. And he wanted to start whittling that down and making it more simple. And so I came in when my father started running out of time to do the contributing editor stuff for the trade magazines. And I just started writing his columns for him or helping him write them, I should say. And the thing that I started getting really fascinated with is there's this very human element of cleaning that people don't take into consideration. And it's for, you know, from my perspective at the time, it was like this very hidden thing that goes on in buildings. A lot of times you don't see it. A lot of times you don't even know it happens. You just know that it does. And getting behind the curtain and seeing what was going on in the guts of a cleaning operation just became very fascinating to me. There's a professional side of it. There's a human side of it. Cleaning workers are, in my opinion, some of the most interesting people you'll ever meet in your life. And so that's what drew me in. And so I fell into this and didn't think it would be a full-time gig for 17, 18 years. And it's become just that. And the whole way I got started as a consultant is I just started taking a scholarly approach to the profession. And that's where I learned about sustainability. What we teach is most cleaning operations are very, very high on the waste side. And it's not because they're bad and it's not because, uh, you know, it's not because it's not a professional profession. It's just there's a lot of turnover that goes on in cleaning there's a lot of issues in cleaning operations. It's, it's a very multicultural, it's a very multilingual, it's also a very multi-able demographic. And so we're working with a lot of different components. And then on that side, you have a product industry that, that moves fairly quickly to innovation. And a lot of times the two sides don't, uh, don't end up talking to each other the way they need to. And so the thing that got us into sustainability is we work with organizations to eliminate waste. And what we find is most cleaning organizations have a lot of waste. A lot of it's hidden. It's not always labor. And a lot of times it's just a compounding of a problem that's been in the operation for 20 to 30 years. And so I got passionate about sustainability. I don't know if you've ever watched the show Hoarders, but a lot of, <laughs> a lot of what we do is getting the occupational hoarding out of cleaning operations and putting in sustainable lean practices. And just through doing that one or two times and seeing what it does to people psychologically, professionally, and seeing what it does to the indoor people who are not only cleaning the indoor environment, but the people who are occupying it, it's what keeps me coming back. I've had opportunities to jump ship and I just, uh, the work's not done. Excellent. So we're talking about sustainability and I feel like sustainability can at times be a broad term. So would you be able to define it for our listeners in the context of the cleaning services industry? Sure. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It can be very broad and it can also be interpreted in a bunch of different ways. I think about 15-ish years ago, 
sustainability and green products kind of became intertwined and became somewhat synonymous with each other. And that's not a knock, um, but it goes beyond, uh, you know, the, uh, from my, you know, observation, it goes beyond just the non-toxic chemistry and reducing the impact of what we're using inside buildings. That's not to say it's not important because it is very important. And I think that there's a lot of things that have been done in the past 15 years, specifically with cleaning chemistry, that has been beneficial. That being said, you have internal practices and external results. That's usually how I'd like to think of sustainability in the context of a cleaning service. So what it boils down to is lean management practices. There's best practices out there, things like just-in-time practices for inventory control, you know, just controlling what comes in and out so you're not stocking or overstocking copious amounts of things that you don't need. Most operations I find when we get to working with them is as uh, they struggle to be set up to effectively manage a cleaning process, which is, you know, what happens daily, what happens weekly, what happens monthly is they've got SOPs, but they, they have a real hard time keeping track of whether or not those things happen every day. The thing that it also means is that uh, we're using uh, space in the building that's effective and setting it up in a way that's consistent. And so just in terms of standardization of what your operation looks like, that's a big piece of sustainability in cleaning services that doesn't get talked about a lot. And then the thing that, that I'm kind of big on is not only uh, having these processes, procedures, and kind of logistical elements in place, but being able to manage and document them uh, so you can not only prove that, yes, we did this on this day, we used this much, and this happened you know, in this amount of time, but if there's a need to scale up or down, such as a global pandemic, for instance, you'll have data to drive your decision making. And so really what it is, is it's when it comes to a cleaning operation, you have this reducing the amount of stuff you're bringing into the building using what you're bringing in and doing it in a way that's not only sustainable when you're not in the building to manage it, but is going to be uh, providing sustainable results inside the building, which is an expectation uh, from uh, a level of result that uh, occupants can expect from you every single day, knowing that you've done all you can to reduce the amount of waste bringing those things into the building, and of course, doing what you can to reduce the waste that's in your organization that might be contributing to not only physical waste, but also work that's been done, uh, wasted motion, things like that. And so it's this, for me, I tend to look at it as this all-encompassing concept. Can you talk about any innovations in sustainability that have come about in the last decade or so? Oh, yeah. You know, so I take kind of a different view, you know, on this, especially with sustainability and when sustainability and when we talk about it in the context of a cleaning operation. The thing that I'm really that I get jazzed about more than anything else is that buildings, especially in the past decade or so, are really starting to be designed to be cleaned. And, and contractors will tell you, especially in some of these older facilities, they're used to fighting for space for check-in areas, space for storage of equipment, space for storage of supply, even having some sort of a bulk area. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you have to fight for that. And a lot of times it's not because people don't want to give access to a cleaning operation, a building. It's because old buildings weren't designed to be cleaned very well. So things like, uh, you know, and I've I'm kind of nerdy, but the things that I get really excited about these days 
are going into a building where something like a paper pantry has been built between restrooms, which is huge. It means custodian doesn't have to go from the top floor to the bottom floor, load up a cart with paper, which is heavy and can be really hard, make it a lot harder to maneuver around in a building, go back up to the top and restock restrooms. So what started to happen is things like paper pantries between restrooms for storage of consumables, soap, paper supplies, that type of thing has really started happening in the past decade. And it's been a real uh, help. It's been really helpful to cleaning operations. The other thing is having surfaces that are cleanable. A lot of times people would build these buildings and uh, put, uh, you know, wonderful architecture in or things like that. Uh, Modern art, uh, for instance makes it really hard to get in and clean. And so what would happen is you have a a cleaning operation spending a lot of time cleaning these, you know, these very particular pieces that are very tough to clean. And it's just, you know, it's the thing that, uh, it's one of the things like with green building initiatives, especially, there's been a very good transfer of knowledge on how to build buildings to be clean. And of course, the big one is science. People are starting to talk about science um, a lot more as it relates to cleaning, especially in the past couple of years. And there's starting to be a very good body of research on not only what needs to be in a cleaning operation to make it sustainable, but how it needs to be deployed in buildings, which is one of my father's favorite quotes is the difference between a ruin and a building in use is the janitor. And he used to say, you know, build, if you want to get a sense of what sustainability looked at, looked like throughout the years is go, go back and look at ancient Greece and ancient Rome. Those buildings are still standing. And so by and large, you know, those are examples of technology. The thing that I really like uh, that's starting to come out as well is there's a lot of technology that's available for tracking data that's tangible. When people were in an area cleaning it, how long they were in there what they did while they were in there. You know, a lot of that was done by hand up until about a decade ago. And people are starting to get really savvy with those types of things. And of course, there are product innovations as well. And the big ones have been the non-toxic chemistry that we talk about. I think automation, you know, and I have to be, I try to be kind of careful when I talk about this because I'm, I'm not knocking it. I, but I think that that technology especially is coming along And I think it's going to free up cleaning of some of these bulk horizontal square footage spaces that especially contractors spend a lot of time on. Uh, Once the technology really starts taking off, it'll, you know, it'll help reallocate labor to other projects that might be building up. And that's one thing that everybody struggles with is not enough time to get to some of these projects. And so, um, so those are some of the ones that I've seen, but the biggest ones that I'm, I'm really excited about is there's an emerging body of knowledge. And Siri has been putting out a lot of really good stuff on not only what's going to impact the people in the building and the health of the people in the building, but what's going to contribute to the health of the custodial operation as well. And so that's one piece that that I'm really, really excited to keep an eye on. And Ben, I know you talked about these buildings sort of being built to be clean, right? So Mm -hmm. that aside, what are what are some more of the current challenges in maintaining sustainable business practices among BSC business owners? Yeah, that's the magic question right there. So I would say the best BSCs and BSC owners embrace sustainability as a business model. They have to. Cleaning is still broadly propelled by human motion. And if that's your biggest expense, you have to be doing it in a way that's not only efficient, but in a, in a way that isn't eating up 
your profit. I mean, that's just how it is. And so the thing about sustainability is that it slows consumption of labor, materials, and ultimately uh, for BSCs, cash. And the biggest challenge I think is for BSCs is a lot of times BSCs will take on uh, new accounts or will come into a new situation. And, I, and I've seen this many times in many locales. And they not only inherit the staff from the old contractor, but they also inherit equipment, processes, and all of that baggage that comes along with it. And so having a, a unique and sustainable program is one thing, but coming in already with that piece to not necessarily overcome, but to have to work into can be challenging and expensive. And so it behooves a BSC to be running a lean management process. But I think that that's the biggest challenge right there is there's a lot of investment to move towards this. And if you don't have a plan, which, you know, that's not a judgment call, it's just if you don't have a plan or you, you don't have a, a good playbook to work from, it can be expensive. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges is just managing the expectation of the customer, managing the operation of the business and doing so in a way that's repeatable and measurable so you can do it again and again. And a lot of it depends on the demand of the customer. And one of the things that I think really drives that, unfortunately, is we're still very much, um, you know, I don't know if I, if I should say this out loud or not, but uh, the biggest problems I think most BSUs face is that cost of service is really tough when you're trying to quantify cleaning. And a lot of times it's very much a data-free discussion. How much does it cost to clean this facility? Not staff it, not purchase supplies for it, not quickly re respond to complaints but how much does it cost to clean this facility? And so again, it's one of those things is without good definitions of cleaning outcomes and, and without having that spelled out, what makes a building sustainably clean? And you get into this kind of argument between appearance versus health. Uh, are we cleaning for appearance or are we cleaning for health? And the thing that we need to do is come up with just a good established set of guidelines that makes it easy for all BSTs to accomplish without any magic formulas and really quantify that in terms of cost. And maybe that this is a fairy tale world that I'm talking about, but, but it's really tough to do when you're competing with low bid uh, contracts because it's a race to the lowest price and not necessarily the race to the most sustainable outcome. I know we touched on this a little bit, but I kind of want to revisit it for a moment. Why is the implementation of sustainable cleaning practices crucial within the cleaning services industry? And then what are the first steps when creating a sustainability program? So first and foremost, sustainable cleaning practices are crucial because cleaning is a function of healthcare. I truly believe that cleaning workers are frontline healthcare workers. And we need to start shifting the paradigm in how we view the work and start viewing it as healthcare work. Because regardless of whether or not we're in a hospital setting or a clinic setting, an office setting, a school setting, a a higher education setting, you know, a federal building setting, what happens in the building where people spend 90% of their time affects their health. And so it's one of those things that not having a sustainable practice, meaning when we talk about sustainability, not only is it non-toxic and efficient, but it is also contributing to positive health outcomes in the building. That I think is the ultimate goal. The thing that I would, you know, that, uh, and that might be lofty, the thing that I would even shoot for is that it has neutral impact, meaning we're not creating any more damage and we're actually controlling the things that come in and out of the building. And so the implementation, so implementing sustainable uh, cleaning practices are going to do a couple of things. Not only are they going to, um, if you do it right, 
you'll have trackable cleaning outcomes, meaning we started with this and we dropped it to this, meaning we're managing the dust, pollen, allergens, pathogens, trash uh, in a way that it's, it's getting taken out of the building every single day. And number two is we know what that costs. So if we know what that costs to do, we can quantify it and we can make a good economic case for doing so. And the first steps, and, and then it boils, when it all boils down to it, what are the first steps is what's the process? What's the daily process for getting a building clean and doing so with healthy, sustainable outcomes? Healthy meaning, you know, improving or at least not contributing to the indoor pollution, but we're actually improving those levels and doing so in a way that um, we can assign a dollar amount to it. And that is the magic formula. And so uh, first steps, let's define that process. And again, you know, again, that's the thing that I think is really the, the work is just kind of beginning on doing that. Siri's done some stuff. I know BSCAI has done some things on frontline labor and things like that. Uh, I think the Trade Press folks actually put out a really, well, maybe it was BSCAI in partnership with Trade Press put out a really good frontline labor report where they're starting to quantify what those reported frequencies are. Oh, I did want to add, since it was Siri that referred me over for this, they have opened up some of their databases and stuff like that for BSCs to go in and look at. And so there is an opportunity to not only participate in those roundtables, but also share them to your networks. And I would just say that there's resources out there and they're becoming a lot more easy to find than they were just a few years ago. It's a great first step. The thing that I would do there is go from customer service cleaning to making sure that the things you know you're going to get complained about get taken care of no matter what, but that you're also doing things like um, efficient vacuuming and high dusting uh, in a way that it's removing a lot of the stuff that affects people in the facility in a way that it, it takes the buildup out over time uh, because most, most buildings have a lot of buildup. So I would say the first step is identify what that process is. And if there isn't one that you can follow, look to the research and the science that has come out uh, and that has been published. Again, that's the Siri website. It's a good resource to start. CleanLink is another good place to go to. They've started doing some pretty interesting uh, work, but also start defining what your business process is. What, what is the daily process to get your building clean? How are you going to manage it? How are you going to document it and, and be able to articulate it in a way to your customer? We removed this much dirt and debris from the building yesterday. We do this every day. When we weigh it, it's, uh, and some people do this, and it's kind of a unique thing to do. But when we weigh it, it's 40 pounds of dirt that we pull out of the air every month and stuff that you can't see. Being able to do those things and use data to quantify what you're doing in cleaning goes a long way. And I think those are some very key first steps. It gives people a visual reference and it, and it gives you some, you know, some tangible stuff to take back to the customer. Excellent. And Ben, the last question I have for you is, in what ways can cleaning service industry professionals promote sustainability in their day-to-day operations? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, So I think one of the things that we don't do that we ought to be doing is just start advocating for what we're doing on articulating the cleaning, you know, what we're doing for cleaning and what sustainable cleaning is. And that can be anything from talking about how you're only selecting products that have a low impact from creation to implementation, meaning, you know, source reduction. If you're, if you're able to find something that isn't shipping a lot of water and using a lot of fuel to go across the country, that's the big step. Just, you know, if there's something that you're doing internally that is, um, if you're able to document things like daily chemical use, which not a lot of people can do, but 
but I think it's a, is an interesting piece, then, then that's another thing when people can say, well, we were at this and when we implemented a sustainable process, we went down to this and document a reduction. That's a big step. And if you can do it with pre-existing data, meaning before that, you know, we were doing this, now we're doing this. I think, I think that's not only a good visual to give customers, but it's also a way to say, you know, there is an economic case and a good one for saving money when you're running a sustainable program. And sustainable programs, when implemented correctly, should be less expensive because we're actually doing what we say, we're using what we buy, and we're only buying what we're going to use. And I think that, in a nutshell, is a really, really uh, important uh, way to promote sustainability. Professional affiliations is another one. Green Seal and, uh, you know, is kind of one of the big, the gold standard for non-toxic chemistry for daily use. There's affiliations that you've got there. They've got some pretty interesting stuff, especially if I was a contractor, that that would be a compelling case to make for using non-toxic chemistry in facility. If you've got affiliations with any local sustainability groups and you're contributing to any data collection that's going on, that's always, I think, really huge and not enough people do. Is We were part of this sustainability study that went on in, in this office building and when we started, it was at this. When we implemented practices, it went down to this. Those stories, I think, go a long way. And especially if it's a repeatable thing that you can duplicate easily. Always good. Always good to do and to promote what you're doing in your day-to-day operation. Excellent. Well, Ben, thank you so much for being part of this episode. I can't wait to share it with our listeners and our BSC audience. Thank you for listening to this episode of Contracting Conversations from BSCAI. If you liked what you heard and want to find out more or listen to previous episodes, head over to bscaiorg podcast. There, you can also subscribe to our newsletter so you never miss industry news, updates, and great tips. Subscribe to Contracting Conversations on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And learn more about our community on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube.